Welcome to Revenue Innovators, the podcast powered by Outreach, where we skip the usual podcast guests and go straight to the source of true revenue innovation. We'll interview mad scientists, revenue disruptors from all kinds of surprising industries. You know, Mary, all of these folks have something in common. These are people that are looking at the future and not looking backward. And you know, when we get them on the podcast, there's going to be some hot gossip and real number talk that we push them to. We love the hot mic. Yes, we do. And we're your hosts. I'm Mary Shea, Global Innovation Evangelist at Outreach. And I'm Harish Mohan, Senior Vice President of Revenue Excellence and Operations, also at Outreach. Meet us here every week, and we promise to keep it spicy for you. So let's get to it. Welcome back, Revenue Innovators, Mary Shea, along with Harish Mohan. And we are excited to welcome our guest, Cheryl Turia, today. Cheryl, welcome to the Revenue Innovators podcast. Thank you, Mary. Great to be here. It's so awesome to have you. So just for our audience, um, why don't you give everyone a little bit of background? Cheryl is with Adobe. She runs uh, their mid-market education direct selling organization. But if you could tell us a little bit about your uh, background and what you do day-to-day at Adobe, that would be awesome. Yeah. So, well, like I said, thanks for having me. Day-to-day at Adobe. It's all about talking to our customers, helping our sales reps and our solution consultants figure out how to improve or attain whatever it is the customer is trying to accomplish. So day-to-day customers, partners, seller engagement, all the things that uh, make a deal happen. Absolutely. And so how have you as a leader of this uh, commercial organization fared over the last, you know, 20, 24, 26 months, and you couldn't actually go out and meet with customers face-to-face? Yeah. You know, we had to innovate pretty quickly. And so certainly all my respect to everyone in the world who's been impacted over the last couple of years. But from the perspective of Adobe and how we do things, we really do try to pride ourselves on being nimble. And we immediately all went home. And we immediately all learned how to use uh, Teams video and how to, I think we all had storytelling classes on how to sell via video, how to engage, how to do discovery. And it isn't the same as it is in person. So uh, actually now we view it as complimentary because it has a lot of efficiencies to it. Yeah, I agree with you. It's complimentary. A couple of things just to kind of pull on the threads you mentioned. What I found in the research that I've done and all the conversations I have in the marketplace that the companies that had invested in having the right and leading in innovative technologies in place, you're a technology company. So no surprise that Adobe was not caught flat footed when this happened, but the companies that really made those investments were able to pivot and be agile and move pretty quickly and and find a way to survive and thrive in that environment. I'm also really glad to hear that you leaned into education because, you know, the skills that are required to run a room, to run a meeting and, you know, to read the room are very different than the skills that are required to successfully engage in a video call or video meeting. So what were some of the things that you helped your team get better at? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Mary. And I think it has a couple of different dynamics. When we're selling into commercial and when we're selling into education, very different customers very different approach to how we engage. I would actually describe education as more of an advisory and consultative and collaborative engagement, more so than, hey, strategic alignment, et cetera, right? So Mary, it's been a really interesting journey to use video and be in person, both for education and for selling into commercial companies. I'll start by saying at the top level, everyone is very receiving of it very receiving of it. And I think once people have gotten used to the idea that we can still accomplish our same kind of conversation this way, 
and it doesn't have to be face-to-face, -face, it's been really, really delightful. So from my sales team's perspective, we've enabled them on little tips and tricks for video, but we are still selling the same way. Yeah, fantastic. I, and we are as well, actually. I mean, we've been tremendously successful and the productivity gains from not running around all the time have been absolutely tremendous. Now, conversely, I was on the road last week and I, I, I was like, I was so personally overwhelmed. I was in uh, IAD and there was like a rush of people coming at me, more people than I'd ever seen in two years. And I thought, well, you know, travel's back. So how are your folks feeling about hitting the road? What does your T&E expense budget look like? Do you want them to stay virtual hybrid and, and get more profitability for Adobe? Or do you want them to get out there and get out of the nest? Where Where's your head on all this? Yeah, you know, I have always worked remote my entire career, so I am not a believer that in order to be effective, you must be in person. Now, I understand that that is also dependent on people's personalities and styles and approaches, so it's not one size fits all. But Adobe has always been a believer in office and face-to-face and it was the exception that folks were remote. Sales folks were always remote. But the two years of our pandemic have really broadened our thinking. Right. And you ask T&E budget, budget, it's pretty much zero. You know, okay. I figure we've been saving money everywhere somewhere on that. <laughs> but now I really love the conversations as people explore what it will take, both with our customers and with right. the sellers. Because my take is you run your business. You make the decision on what needs to be done and how to do it. Yeah, I've always thought that as as well. And, you know, I, I did a fairly controversial article a few years ago where I, I said the sales meeting is going to become its own SKU, which is, you know, if the buyer wants you and they want you enough to pay for you to go out there, then you go. If they don't, then you don't. But we'll have to see how it all plays out. I also did a, a really quick snap poll on LinkedIn and I asked sellers, are you ready to, you know, get out there and hit the road? Do you want to stay home in your nest or are you worried about your budget? So 20% of them wanted to stay home in their nest, about 70% wanted to get out there and 10% are worried about budget. So a little bit different on the sales leader front, more along the lines of uh, enjoying some of the productivity gains from not having everyone run around all over the world. Yeah, I think it's a matter of how short or long is my trip? How long will I be away? And what is the return on that? So I, I do like the thinking that goes along with the return. But perhaps, and I'm probably generalizing, but salespeople are inherently people people. So yes, getting face-to-face yes, is important. And Cheryl, I want to I pull on one of the things, skills you talked about uh, that you, uh, you, know, you double down on when everyone's remote and, and that's storytelling, right? Which is powerful no matter what, in person or remote, definitively remote. Like, but storytelling has also become this ambiguous thing where you know, people put everything under the umbrella of storytelling and pretend they have a skill. Like what, it, what, what particular skills were you looking at or what were you looking to solve with storytelling and, and how did that help drive engagement in the remote world? Yeah, that's really a good point. Storytelling is not all equal. Some people mm -hmm. are great at it. Some people aren't. Some people meander. Some people, you know, forget to give you details so you can get the concept. Actually, I really appreciate Adobe's approach to actually how we've run business the last two years. First of all, employee well-being has been the top priority and everything has cascaded from that, which has made it manageable for many people who had to juggle work and perhaps children at home or elderly folks or extended family. So starting with that lens, Adobe very much, particularly because of our focus on creativity, we have a specific view that 
we all can benefit from being trained on storytelling so that we can be crisp, so that we understand who our listeners are, that we make it interesting and relevant, and that people walk away saying, hey, I don't remember all the things she said about the widget, but I got the story, I understood what we were doing and why we needed to do it this way. And if you can get people to understand how it can benefit them or help them accomplish something, you've told a good story. And, and, and I'm curious how that ties into like one of the, you know, as we're prepping for the meeting, you know, one of, one of the areas you call that is you don't like your sellers, you don't like the selling team to talk about the product, but it's talking about what the product accomplished. Like, how do you weave that in and what kind of change management that I require? Because it's so much about, let me show you the buttons, let me show you what we do, and the screens are so pretty. So that must have been a big shift for, you know, sellers who are tenured as well as new sellers. Yeah, it's, it's a journey always, always. And not every seller is comfortable or even really grasps the idea of selling without ever talking about the product. My philosophy and something that we talk about in all of our calls, whether we're running the business or we're having pipeline conversations, is about what is the customer accomplishing? What are they trying to improve? What are they trying to fix? Or perhaps what is a, you know, a strategy that's some amount of time out that's going to differentiate them? So always talking in terms of the customer. By the way, it feels really cliche. Like this isn't the first time you're hearing somebody say that from a sales perspective. But at the end of the day, all of our messaging comes down to, yeah, but here's the thing and here's the widgets and here's what it does. And it's faster than those people. And, you know, buy us. Well, that is not the customer language. So that is the sort of leading indicator that we work with all the time, which yeah. is challenge yourself to never go to a widget and always talk about what the customer will accomplish when their people are collaborating and engaged. I like that. Yeah, same, same. And I just, I love the storytelling thing. We, when I was an analyst at Forrester, we brought in a firm and they uh, had all of the analysts get up and do a poetry slam. And so we competed against each other. And it, <laughs> it was, I'm, I don't I think want I to hear good. yours, Mary. I wasn't, I don't think I was very good at it, but it was it really kind of like got you out of your, your skin and it was a great exercise. So I think it's really cool that, that, that you did that at Adobe. So we've talked a little bit about you know, the, the, the art of the sale and sort of a, some, some of the intangibles, right. And telling the story and evoking a certain feeling from, uh, the sales conversation. What do you, in, how do you in Adobe lean into the science part of selling and, 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 and data and how, how does that impact your day-to-day -day business uh, life and business decisions? Oh, I would say it's equally as important. We, I think we have some beautiful imagery around that is sort of the art and science of selling. So all the things that I was talking with you about just a moment ago is about the art, but everything that we do with the art and the collaboration and the human part of the engagement is backed up with what we call leading and lagging indicators. What is happening with our customers? Where are they buying? How are they buying? What time are they buying? What day of the week are they buying? What color are they buying? How are they assessing it? So we have many, many indicators about our business leading up to something happening or an acquisition. And then what happens after a customer has bought something? And again, it might sound cliche. I'm not a believer in the idea of always selling. I'm not. I'm actually a believer in the idea of always building a relationship and when the value is understood, the sale will happen. 
and it often happens Hopefully. repeat Uh-oh. over and over and Hopefully over again. And that's something we drive our sellers to is to build the relationship and make sure the customer is realizing the value. And, and I'm, I'm curious, in the environment like with Adobe, right? You think about the confluence of products that unlock customer experience and it could get very complex and you can have a large surface area of things you saw like, how do you prep sellers in that environment, right? I mean, do they have to master every product? Do they have to know the entire solution? Like, how do you how do you take that big problem and make it digestible, where they can do the right discovery and understand how the collective suite might solve each of these challenges a customer has? Yeah, that's that's a, a really good point. Often, I, I I sort of have an image in my in my mind, which is. You know, when things come in, they come in all different ways, all wrapped around in circles and up and down, and they come into our brains. And how do we synthesize it, putting it out into a story, into a conversation? We take everything and put it into, I just call them bite-sized nuggets. Just don't boil the ocean, bring it down to the bite-sized nugget. If you only get to do one thing on this call, what's the one thing? Resist the urge to do all the things. We always want to do all the things. And I say, imagine if you had 10 calls in a day, you accomplished one thing on each call relative to moving the sale forward. How would that feel relative to 10 calls? Three, four, five subjects were talked about and you actually didn't land the Mm -hmm. next step in the call. So bite-sized chunks, one thing, one call. And has that informed your hiring profile or how you look for the right seller, right? I mean, because that requires a certain amount of cognitive flexibility and malleability. And so how is that kind of fine-tuned who you hire and how you ramp? Yeah. Hiring, boy, isn't it everybody's challenge? I don't, I don't know what the stats are. I mean, we all get it right the first time. The good news is we all get it right the first time. <laughs> exactly. hundred percent right. I look at, I'm like, thank God my quota attainment isn't based always on my hiring <laughs> attainment. Hiring is definitely different, isn't it? So this won't be a surprise. It'll sound familiar when I say it. The whole idea of asking the question that actually has nothing to do with doing the job, but something that they had experienced. So I think some people call it behavioral interviewing. I don't know. I just call it questions to get to know you. I have talked with people about their relationships, their families, their career paths, and uncovered more than when I say, tell me about the one deal that was your best deal ever and why, right? Because everybody knows that answer. Well, I listened to the customer and I applied our lens. You know, I I learned so much more when folks are talking to me how they're balancing their life, how they're balancing decisions they have to make. So it's called behavioral interviewing. You can see it all over. The trick is asking varied questions that lend themselves towards the person chatting, 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 and they don't even know they're interviewing to be really candid. That's usually the comments that people will say to me. They're like, oh my God, you made me feel so good. I was so nervous and it didn't even feel like an interview. And I always smile and I go, it wasn't an interview. And then of course I hang up and I'm like, of course it was an interview. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious about I mean, something that Mary and I are very passionate about, right? I mean, it, like we look we look at the sales profession as being the great socioeconomic equalizer, right? It is a profession where you can have the most diverse background and neurodiversity is actually a competitive advantage to most go-to-market teams. And curious if you're seeing that, right? As you built this large team and you're talking about storytelling and bringing your authentic self and 
even how you, you interview and make sure that, you know, you get a sense of how they're passionate about like, how has that made the team stronger? And, you know, how do you think about diversity as you look at building out the, the go-to-market franchise? Diversity isn't always natural for humans. We naturally lean towards those things we're familiar with and comfortable with. But I also think that is the whole challenge we have in, oh, be it wherever you want to go, in a home, in country, in business. So Adobe has very much centered on, it's called Adobe for All. And the entire premise is diversity and inclusion. And the reason we have so much diversity in thinking, as well as many of the other traditional ways you might think of diversity, is because we think about it all the time. We talk about it. We meet on it. I, I happen to actually lead a really cool program. It's a voluntary program. A voluntary program. It's called Action Circles, and we literally take a topic once a month, and then we learn about it. Adobe is great enough to bring pre people in, and we learn about it and we talk about experiences. Then, as a leadership team, we talk about what does it mean for us in our orgs. Then we go away for a month, and we talk with our peers and our colleagues and our teams. And we just get the conversation going. So it's become a really, really foundational part of Adobe's values. And therefore, frankly, easy in the sense of I now know, like, I'm super outgoing and I talk a lot and I wave my hands around. So now I listen real close when I know somebody is thinks differently than me, has a different cadence than I do. And I used to have a view of, oh boy, that's not going to work because I need everybody to be the same. And thank goodness we mature and develop because it's been better having everybody be different and then honoring those differences. Yeah, right I, I think that's absolutely wonderful way to close out and extremely well said. You know, when I think about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, the word intentionality just continues to pop up in my head. And it sounds like you and the other leaders at Adobe are very intentional, as are we at outreach, it doesn't happen with, with, without that thoughtfulness and emotional intelligence and personal and professional maturity that you just uh, hit on there. So thank you so much for just spending a bit of time with Harish and myself today to talk and share uh, what you're thinking about and how you're going to market at Adobe. And let's all stay in touch as we get through uh, the next months of this year. And hopefully we're, our paths will cross somewhere in some airport, Cheryl. I, I hope to see you again. <laughs> Uh, I, I really uh, appreciated you guys having me. I'll just say Adobe is a great place and it's a great place because it cares about the people. And at the end of the day, that's what we do every day, five days a week at least. So it was nice meeting you guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Revenue Innovators podcast. We want to keep the show really relevant and we want to hear from you. Tell us what you like most or what you'd like to hear by leaving us a rating and a review. But of course, we are partial to the number five. And if you're a revenue innovator and are not part of the Sales Hacker community yet, you're missing out. Go to saleshacker.com and become a member, ask questions, get fast answers, and share experiences with 20,000 like-minded professionals who are shaking up things in their own organizations. Thanks, Arish. So we'll see you all back here on this podcast every other week, where you'll learn from the world's most disruptive revenue innovators. You know,